goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. This is really our second episode where we are really launching our podcast journey. I thought we would highlight some of the key trends, challenges, and opportunities that we see. So I know you and I have um, really a good balance in terms of our expertise and also a good overlap in terms of what we see happening in data management, data governance, and technology. So maybe I'll start with, first start with you, Ramesh. What First of all, what are the three key trends that you really see um, happening in, in today's organizations? Right. So, so Peggy, um, depending on the area, depending on uh, who you talk to, right, different people have uh, opinions about what are the trends. The one trend that that seems to come across, whether it's from a Gartner, whether it's from Deloitte, whether it's from McKinsey, whatever research that you do, right, is, uh, and also looking at the investment that's going in, you know, into venture capital and all, the artificial intelligence and machine learning, right? So, and people even categorize that as a intelligence transformation, right? So you put an intelligence in front of everything, intelligent this, intelligent that, but essentially the trend that you cannot escape right now is the artificial intelligence and machine learning, right? In uh, how companies are transforming, uh, how they're spending money. So that's number one, right? So as we go into subsequent episodes, we'll be talking to more people on that one. The second trend uh, that uh, I, I see is the analytics piece of it, right? So where, how businesses are using analytics, data analytics, to drive businesses, or at least they want to do it. Whether they are there or not, it's a different aspect of it. The uh, data analytics aspect of it is the second major trend that I see out there. And then the last uh, major trend that I'm seeing, I, I, don't, I would like to really know more about you, is this whole uh, data literacy, right? So the need for organizations to be more data aware, data literate, uh, you know, the uh, investing, spending time and changing the culture, you know, within the organization to be much more data. So that is a trend that I am seeing much more recently. And, and maybe because of the AML, maybe because of the analytics, but this data aware uh, trend that, uh, that I see. So Peggy, turning the tables on you. So what are the trends you're seeing? Yeah, so having a uh, background in data management, data governance, and uh, what I do a lot now is actually talk about privacy. Mm -hmm. And from being working in financial services, it's a very regulated industry. So certainly I've been involved in the past with many different types of regulations. And privacy really being the latest one. Um, impacting all industries, all companies of all sizes, they suddenly have to be aware of the data that they're collecting about their customers, about their employees, 
Um, so just being uh, more aware about the data and what they collect and what purpose that they collected from. And it's just taken on a whole new magnitude. I, I think a lot of the conversations that um, you hear in, in the news and the media, um, it's, it's all about privacy regulations, whether you live in the US, um, in Europe with GDPR, and Asia or Latin America, every continent has its own data privacy slash protection law that uh, any global organization or even any local organization needs to really put in the forefront in terms of the projects or technology budget. So it's, it's a huge, huge mm. topic. And I think second of all, what I'm personally um, think is a, is a key trend in a, really a, a basis, right, for, for a lot of the reasons why organizations uh, fail to be in compliance is the fact that they simply lack a good data governance program. I and I that. think that is the foundation for good data analytics, for really being able to do AI machine learning. So it really ties into two of the trends that you see um, out there. And I completely agree those are very uh, actually buzzwords right now that actually catch the attention of a lot of executives. Yeah. But if you peel back the onion layers of um, why AI machine learning sometimes fail and uh, why analytics don't actually give the right predictive results, it all goes back to the data. So I think as part of these conversations we're having, I always like to bring it back to the basic building blocks and that, and that is um, and data. And you know another key trend is really technology, right? Uh, as you mentioned, AI machine learning—it's it's all about leveraging and utilizing new technology. But what I've seen in the past is technology, new technology—you know—is so focused and only given to a tech small technology group or to a small innovation team. But how do we bring that to the masses within an organization? that needs to visualize, that needs to read data or analyze it. We need to give them, those are the people that need to be hands-on using and learning new technology. And again, the reason why we work so well together in Mesh is it speaks to the whole data culture yeah. or the lack of data literacy um, that I also see in, in many organizations because we're not giving them the right training or the right skill set. We're not upskilling them enough for them to be able to, again, bridge the gap between um, the right business objectives and implementing their business objectives with the right technology. Right. So actually, so Peggy, let me ask you, I mean, you, you, you focused a lot on financial industry. I mean, you have a very, very deep knowledge in that industry. Now you're working from a product and service company. So when you go into an organization, because now you're trying to market and, and, and right, so, and what is the first, um, I don't know, a, a challenge or objection that they throw at you? It, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, so let me ask you, uh, stop there. So what is the objection that you hear um, to market your product or service in the data service? Depending on the, the type of organization it is and their, their appetite and reason why, why they're coming to us, I think one common um, comment that I always hear is that, um, Peggy, we're doing this process manually. It's worked well for us for the past two years. We are compliant with GDPR and CCPA. 
we don't get enough data subject access requests. We're doing it manually. Our technology teams are able to understand and discover all our data. We don't need AI machine learning. I see. So, you know, one comment I like to make is, as a trend for AI machine learning is, yes, it's a buzzword. Yes, it's almost overused in, in many uh, publications and um, commonly used in social media. I don't think many people understand the extent, really how AI machine learning have really changed or certainly evolved in, in the last 10 to 15 years. I remember myself in, in data management, um, never had these tools that we we have today yeah. really find and automatically classify and understand data and um, give the business insights that um, machine learning can do on, on such a large scale. So I think the, the, the mindset of people to embrace technology, to understand that there is a cost to uh, learning, um, deploying technology, it's, it's an investment that many organizations need to realize that they have to do versus uh, a compliance or a regulator coming in and coming into, the, into their doors and saying that this must be done, you must automate your processes. So it's, it's a challenge and depending on how open the organization is to, to new change. Actually, you brought up a very good point and let me dig into it, right? So this is a, essentially the essence of our podcast, right? So what you said is a regulator who is interested or the company who is interested in complying with the regulation, they don't care what technology they use, right? The company was telling you, hey, I'm fine with my, you know, manual method or whatever process I'm complying, right? I, I'm, and the regulator says, you know, hey, are you, are you compliant? That's all they care about. But the other side, you pointed out, when you go into an organization, the organization will tell you, hey, you know, I hear about this AIML. I kind of feel the pressure. Maybe I have to invest in AIML because I see this buzzword. I hear this buzzword all over the place. But I'm, I'm okay, happy with what I'm doing. But I may, I, I don't need it, but looks like I'm being pressured. Is that, is that the dilemma that you're hearing here? I think certainly that that's a common struggle that um, organizations are facing with. And you think about uh, the fact that regulators and internal audit personnel, they're getting more data savvy every day. Mm. Uh, they're intelligent. Uh, they certainly read the news and they know that there are um, certainly data quality errors um, prone in any type of manual process. Yeah. Um, there's always a risk involved in, in terms of um, not knowing what you don't know, right? which is the biggest problem I think many organizations don't face. Like you don't know what data you have, um, a, a black hole for, for many organizations. Yeah, yeah. So the, the risk and the compliance teams, they're, they're all really on, on top of the business units to, to make sure that they are um, using and leveraging uh, the, the newest and latest technologies, obviously uh, weighing all the costs and the benefits, uh, obviously. But it's, it's coming from the fact that everyone is, you know, getting more into this mainstream in terms of 
new technologies, uh, technologies that can help automate and um, relieve and just ensure compliance, right? So um, that, that's really the, the key thing here. Is, and I don't think any organization can get away with uh, simply a complete 100% uh, manual process these days. It's not, it's not scalable um, and the organizations are just putting themselves at, at risk if that's where they want to stay at. Correct. And then I'll give you my own experience and example, right? And again, I mean, just in my mind, you know, I just want to let the um, listeners and viewers know, we do not, we we are not here to drink the Kool-Aid, right? We are not going to say, oh, you got to invest in AMLs, you know, uh, that is the next best thing, or you got to do analytics, right? So we are not here to say that is what it is, right? So we want to give the raw information where we see there is a fit where there is no fit. And then we want, we want to be able to transparently, honestly, you know, talk about those things. Right. So from that angle, so having gotten that out of the way. So my own example of what I have seen is there is this large technology company, Peggy, where they felt the pressure and need to invest in latest technologies, right? AML and all that stuff but they did not want to invest in it just for the sake of investing, right? So, and then people don't have money flying, you know, just, uh, just uh, set aside or people set aside to do it, right? So they, they need to dabble in that to solve a problem that they have. And that is the only way they can start investing. So in this case, what happened was there is a lot of big data involved. There's a jobs that are, they have to execute. And then they're talking about millions of jobs. And uh, the infrastructure need to run these jobs is increasing on a year to year basis, right? Significantly, mm-hmm. right? So they, have, they are being forced to invest more on the computing infrastructure to execute these jobs. And then they said, okay, I will take a piece of it, right? So a, a small portion of one division or whatever, I will invest in AIML to see, uh, you know, if it can help me manage my infrastructure and then manage my future purchases infrastructure in a more intelligent way, right? So that, so they've started what is called a lighthouse project, right? It's one area to solve a business problem, but at the same time, invest in, you know, AIML technologies to solve this problem. That's actually a very pragmatic uh, approach because, um, on one hand, you don't want to be constantly changing, um, chasing new technology, on the other hand, you know, you don't want to uh, introduce zero technology. So somewhere in the middle, I, I think, is, you know, finding a tangible business problem to solve and looking at all the options and then selecting, you know, in this case, something that does involve AI machine learning and seeing how it works, right? See how um, this business problem could be solved. And I think very very smart um you know the best use of the budget and the time and then if it actually you know the works you know mm-hmm. it's something that can be replicated with you know perhaps other departments or finding another similar solution i mean problem that can use the same solution so right right so and then actually that's another i want to get your know, other take which is it seemed to solve another problem peggy which is people working in the company felt that they are being left behind 
uh, you know, not working on these latest technologies because everybody's talking about them, right? I don't want to be a COBOL programmer forever for my life, right? So I want to work on the AML thing. So it gave them an opportunity to kick the tires and then feel that, hey, I'm upgrading my skills. I mean, are you seeing this uh, need uh, for organizations to invest in tech technologies so their employees feel that they're also involved? Yeah, I, I, I've seen that in some of the organizations uh, I worked with. Uh, usually, um, new technologies come through an uh, innovation center or center of excellence that does uh, uh, review and call through and make sure the right technology is selected. And then, you know, training the, the right technology teams, um, support teams to, to use the technology. And I've seen many people being able to transition uh, their careers or grow their careers or expand their skill set. Um, and I really think that's the best that's the best way to go. And certainly there are um, you know, the people that you work that work for you in an organization, they have the the business knowledge and you want to retain those employees. And the best way to do that really is to continually keep them engaged with learning a new technology or being part of a new project. Everyone wants to be um, part of the latest and greatest or involved in some way, right? Not everyone is a coder or programmer. I know I'm certainly not, but uh, these type of large scale digital transformation projects require lots of different skill sets. Um, yeah. So there are opportunities uh, for people of all levels, right? Even junior people, you know, can participate in some small way to, uh, to senior executives all want to, you know, kind of dip their hands and be involved in, um, you know, the latest and greatest project. But there's hopefully organizations um, have that mindset, though, to bring in and involve more um, of their employees. So if they do, that's, Great, that's fantastic. And yeah, that's great. I think the, I think the organizations have to think about uh, you know their employees are you know upgrading their skills and then the need to upgrade, right? So I think somehow address that thing. And other thing that I want to mention, and I want to get your take on this is um, this whole cloud computing thing. We have not talked much about it, and and the reason probably we didn't talk about it, it's here to stay. It's not a, it's not the new trend, right? It's already there. Right. But uh, the, the previous project that I was talking to you about uh, when we were looking at it, the existing infrastructure did not address their needs. Right. So they needed to upgrade the infrastructure to, uh, you know, take advantage of AML, take advantage of the latest tools, as you mentioned. But the lag time for them to go procure and then even the budget. Right. So was not sufficient and then not in time. And then they were forced to, right, for the right reasons, to go and explore cloud computing. Right? Yeah. It's easily available, readily accessible, and you don't have to invest you know, for life. right? So you invest only for the time that you need it kind of stuff. So on this front, how cloud computing is helping or not helping these uh, latest trends we talked about, what's your take on this, Peggy? So it's very interesting. Uh, coming from financial services um, or the organizations I worked for, actually never fully uh, deployed uh, cloud computing. Interesting. Uh, 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, it varies. And now that I'm in a role where I can certainly speak to and I'm introduced to other types of industries outside of such a regulated financial services industry, I can see the differences. So certainly, um, and the reason why I, I think is, is the fact that um, traditionally still privacy and compliance are very risk averse. So very yeah. careful about the the data that's going to be put on the cloud and the security involved and I think that companies are still you know slowly dipping into dipping their toes into cloud computing maybe putting their non-essential data in into a cloud and testing it out you know as you said earlier doing a, a proof of concept maybe a, a specific segment Yep. of data can be put into the cloud and they can then figure out you know all the benefits go to and you know cost savings um and just the whole deployment process you know is, is much more more rapid than traditional approaches so um you know from what i've seen in the past financial services is back a little bit but certainly in other industries like uh retail i've seen uh, a little bit more um talk about um putting putting data in the cloud um but interesting enough for those of you that have been in in data data for uh, as long as i have if not longer mm -hmm. you know the problem with um data lakes you know it's, it's the same concept of aggregating data warehouses right where the concept is physically uh, organizations have been physically um compiling and putting data moving data to a single place to make for easier reporting or for um, easier access, single point of access. But, you know, you have the problems of multiple copies of data, um, you know, ownership of a shared data lake or warehouse. Um, you're muddying up the, the actual quality of the data because no one actually takes ownership yep. lack of governance. So the lake becomes really uh, a swamp and I know that uh, there are many vendors out there that you know talk about um, cleaning up the data that's my only concern with cloud computing is making sure that there is again um, data governance uh, processes and people structure in place otherwise the cloud is going to be easily data lake 2.0 yeah, exactly. Actually, you're bringing up so in in this uh, future episodes, we will dig you know, deep into uh, these aspects uh, that you're just bringing up. So, Peggy, in the final section of our podcast, uh, I was thinking that we will talk about the opportunities where, um, you know, the lighthouses that I saw where some people are seeing in specific industries, maybe, or maybe specific functions within organizations. Um, you know, there is uh, more uptake and more, more opportunities. So coming from your vantage point, I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit later, um, but I just wanted to get your take first. Coming, uh, if, if you walk into organizations, what are the, you know, low hanging fruits that you're seeing either industries or functions within specific companies? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been actually been very fortunate. Most of the companies I know have already identified their, their low-hanging fruit. Certainly, um, hiring the the right people to run and execute on a data strategy program, um, having you know 
the framework, the executive committees or chief data officer or a chief analytics officer. <clears throat> Um, are being able to also recognize uh, where their data quality issues are um, and being and having some sort of ad hoc perhaps if not fully consistent process and way of fixing fixing the data um, identifying opportunities is, is also really the first step and okay. as earlier mentioned the data analytics is commonly quoted now as an opportunity uh, for for people to to really uh, leverage the, the data that they've started to collect and curate, um, and then take it a step further. And Maybe it's easily justifiable for the organizations. Is that right? Somewhat. Um, yeah, there's a it, it clearly aligns to a a business problem or yeah. clearly aligns to um, a bullet point probably in their business strategy for the year or a specific outcome. Yeah. Um, so the more that people can explain how some of these business objectives can be tactically uh, executed yeah. with data and technology, I think it helps tell a better story and give it a better um, opportunity to, to be funded and to pass for a, for a full-fledged project. That's correct. Okay, so that is good. And then from my perspective to answer that question, is uh, I think process automation, I think you alluded to that before, uh, it seems to be easily justifiable opportunity for people um, to, to invest in, right? Latest technology, so if you're automating, and uh, it's not that it, it replaces people, but at least you know, it's, it's, it can prove the efficiencies. That's one thing that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And then the successful ones, uh, people, um, and the cost management is more than the revenue generation is somewhat easily uh, justifiable from uh, I've seen, right? So it's a, uh, that's uh, one aspect of the, the thing. And- uh, Yeah, exactly. Costs and efficiency, time savings, those yeah. are- Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there are more, as opposed to trying to pitch a project, we will increase the revenues by this much. It's somewhat difficult to prove and then to justify from my experience. That's what I have seen. Yeah, but you know, I feel, I always feel very sad and negative about that because we, uh, it's easy to prove cost savings, reduction yeah. uh, in headcount, um, you know, whereas it's hard to pinpoint and measure the benefits, right? How much uh, revenue can be increased? How many more product lines? How many more customers can be saved? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a bigger um, question I, I would love for organizations to focus on, and you know, perhaps one of the things that we can help out during this podcast, uh, these future podcast episodes as well. Yeah, that's right. And then. Um... So to uh, wrap this up with uh, the final thought, I mean, any, anything that you, uh, we have not addressed so far in trends or challenges or opportunities? No, I, I mean, I've talked about, you know, privacy regulations and really being uh, data governance being the core foundation and technology as, as a driver. I mean, these are three of my um, personal um, things that I've been seeing, but you know, those of you in the audience loved for you to share with us um, what you see are key trends, challenges, and opportunities. And hopefully we can um, highlight those in our future episodes as well. 
That's right. So, and then from my perspective, I think uh, having a strategy, data strategy, uh, you know, that in combination with the data governance um, is absolutely crucial. And uh, whether you start the data strategy from a tops down, from the highest levels down to below, uh, or you start uh, developing a strategy based on a lighthouse project in a particular department is up to the organizations how to do it. But you got to think about a, a uh, data strategy in terms of the overall picture. I think that's very, very important. And then the second aspect of um, uh, that I, I mentioned er earlier is the data culture, right? So. Uh, the culture starts with uh, education and literacy, right? Increasing that and uh, the awareness about data across all levels of the organization, right? It's just not at the lowest levels. And having, and now a lot of people are talking about a chief data officer, chief monetization, chief data monetization officer at the highest level. But having that, uh, I think, is absolutely crucial. And then we will talk more about it. But now the tools and, pro like, for example, self service analytics here, right? So everybody possibly can do analytics. So, so we will talk more about it. That means it, it's much more pervasive. Um, that's why Peggy, your point of data governance is so absolutely, absolutely important because now everybody is doing analytics, then which data are they using? Is it a clean data? Who owns the data, right? It becomes much more important. It's chaos. It can become chaotic. Yeah. So that's why Love to dive deeper into these um, trends, and hopefully we whet your appetite. You know, those of you, you the audience, we whet your appetite to the things that we will be focusing and, and talking about, and some of the key people we think are big players in the space. Excellent. So with that, uh, Peggy, uh, it's a wrap. Uh, until next time. Bye, Ramesh. And bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.